Welcome. Uh, I kind of want to ask how your break was, but that's always like, you know, not everyone can answer. So, did you guys have a good break? Yeah. Um, can we? we you have to like, for us to see your responses, you have to be super expressive with your head. Right. That's all we can see. <laughs> so. Can we? Can we hear it for founders? Maybe. No, it's Carter. Carter. Carter off campus. Carter? Wait, who's in here right now? Carter, off Carter campus. and off campus. Excellent. Okay. Good. Um, what makes people scream? Mm. I don't know. Will you guys just say hi? <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> uh, all right. So Stephanie and I are going to um, we're going to discuss a question. We're actually going to discuss a question that you've probably heard quite a bit. Um, you may have asked it um, recently. Somebody may have asked it of you. Um, but we're going to discuss the question, uh, so how is your spiritual life? Um, as Stephanie and I kind of kicked this around over the course of the last week or so, um, we both had very similar sort of initial reactions to it, um, and it took us in some fun places. So we thought we'd um, share that with you and kind of explore that concept. So Stephanie, when you hear, so how is your spiritual life, what do you think? Yeah. Do you guys, has anybody asked you that before? Do you ask other people that? Is that something that you ask your friends or your sort of, kind of? Yeah, um, I've been asked that a number of times in my life. And um, I think when I ask, when people ask me that, I always wanna, I always hear sort of a question under the question. Um, and we, we were talking about this. And so I, I think when, I'm, when they ask me that, I wanna be like, what are you, what, like, what are you really asking? Um, because sometimes I think we are asked that question and we immediately feel like we're under this sense of evaluation, right? Like, okay, either I can be getting an A in my spiritual life or like a D in my spiritual life. Um, at least that's kind of how I, I react sometimes. It's like, are you trying to evaluate how I'm doing with Jesus? Um, and the, the other thing I think happens is there's almost a question there of like, how do you feel you are doing with your spiritual life? Um, which is an interesting question because how I feel about how I'm doing with my spiritual life today might actually be very different than how I would answer that question yesterday, right? Did I sleep well last night? Am I currently hungry? Is there something else that's really weighing on me? I think all of those things impact the way that I would answer how am I doing spiritually um, because I don't think you can really separate those things out. Um, so the question, the question is kind of an interesting one to me. But that being said, I do think it's kind of a fair question um, because I do think scripture lays out a pattern for us um, that maybe we get a little bit uncomfortable with sometimes because we're afraid that it's going to sound a little bit like works righteousness, right? And so there is a pattern in scripture, though, where God continually and consistently and powerfully rescues his people, um, not because they deserve it, on the contrary, because they they have nothing to offer him. Um, and then when he brings his people into his family, there are these um, passages, especially throughout the Old Testament and into the New, that would suggest that there are actually choices and habits that we do or make that can help, that can influence our experience with God. So it doesn't change the fact that we have a seat at the family table, but it does change whether or not we feel like God is near us. Um, 
I, I've been learning a lot from my dog. We have a golden doodle. We got him a year ago. So he's a puppy. And um, I've been learning a lot of lessons about God from my dog. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, so his name is Whitaker. And um, Whitaker, for, we love him to be with us. And he loves us so much. And he's such a sweet dog. But when he disobeys or when he does things like he's chewed up five remote control, like TV remote controls, um, he has he digs holes in the backyard and then comes in with muddy feet and jumps on the on the furniture and he got my husband's wallet and destroyed it. Like when the when he does those things, our response to him is not like oh you are no longer our dog we are giving you away, but his resp our response to that is okay dog you need to go outside for a minute so we can clean up your mess, and he's not given direct he's not given the same amount of access to us or to our home and he feels it, right? So then this poor little dog sits at the door and he looks so sad and repentant, if dogs can repent. I don't know if they can. Um, but I think there's something there I'm learning with our relationship with God is we always, God is never gonna be like, I'm done with you, you've sinned too many times, like you're not doing your quiet time, you're not praying, I'm done. It's, it's more of like, I really actually want you to flourish in my family. That's why I've given you your, my word, and that's why I've given you prayer. Um, and I do think those things impact how we experience God. That's a very long answer, but that's my answer. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah, so uh, I am, I just turned 50 uh, January 4th. I just had a birthday. So um, I'm not like decrepit yet, but I'm, I'm like well on my way, right? Uh, so when I'm asked that question, what's interesting is um, it, it, uh, there's really no separation between the spiritual life and the rest of life. The people, like my best friends, when they want to know what's happening with me, they ask, how are you? And part of that answer is going to be how, I'm, how I am walking with Jesus. Um, so it's almost like all of life is spiritual. And um, it, it, it all goes together. So um, I think what Steph hit on that, the question under the question, like what is that? What's, what is the person really asking? I think when most people ask, how are you spiritually or, or how's your spiritual life? I think what they're really asking is, are you following Jesus? Um, and what does it look like in your life right now as you're following Jesus? And the idea of following Jesus, I think, is, is really just such a beautiful thing. And I love the fact that throughout the Gospels, Jesus issues this gentle invitation to us to follow me, right? It's not a, a harsh command. It's, it's a, come, follow me. Lay your head where I lay my head. Listen to the words that I speak. Watch the things that I do. Hear my prayers. Walk where I walk. Do what I do. Um, and, and I love that. It's, it's sort of an, an, an open-handed, um, gentle invitation to come, and it entails every aspect of life. So following Jesus is not simply about how often you're reading Scripture, how often you're praying. It really is how you're living your, your entire life. So um, that's what I, what I think when I hear, um, how's your spiritual life? Yeah. Um, okay, so, Stephanie. There's the question. Um, coming into this semester right now, um, how are you feeling? Like, what are you bringing into this semester as you're 
walking with Jesus. So answer the question, like how is my spiritual life? <laughs> more, no, more like, more like how, are, how are you feeling right now? Yeah. What, where are you at? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, yeah. I think maybe it's hard because I, I don't know actually how you guys are feeling coming to this semester. Um, I wish I did a little bit more because I was going to say probably like all you all, but I don't actually know what you're feeling. Um, I, I'm feeling probably a little bit um, a sense of like, okay, here we go again. Um, I thought this was going to be maybe over and it's not. And so I feel like I'm having to sort of exercise my perseverance muscles, which are not they've atrophied probably. Um, so I, a passage that I've come to sort of during this re-entry into a semester is Luke 24. And it's one of my favorite stories in scripture. And it's a story of when you have two disciples who are on a very um, hard journey back to a little village called Emmaus. Um, and they've just been in Jerusalem during the Passover to celebrate the Passover meal. And during this particular Passover, they witnessed Jesus um, crucified or tried, crucified, and buried. And they were, they were walking back to Emmaus completely disillusioned, completely discouraged, um, sort of like, man, we had all of our eggs in that Jesus basket, and look what happened. Um, and they don't know that Jesus has risen from the dead at this point. Um, they're still trudging on on kind of this, I picture it as like this long, dusty road you know, in the Middle East. Um, I don't know what it may, I don't know what that road looks like, but that's how I picture it. And I, I think I've, I feel that way a little bit of like, okay, I'm on this long dusty road. Um, I've been a little bit disillusioned with not Jesus or not God, but maybe with the way that his church has used his name um, around issues of politics and all the division that's going on in our world and in our country right now. That's been hard for me to watch. Um, so I, I can relate to those disciples. And yet, at the same time, when, what happens in the story is Jesus actually appears to them and starts walking with them. And he's, he's like, hey, guys, what are you talking about? And they're like, man, you don't know. <laughs> like, where have you been? You don't know what's gone down in Jerusalem. And they say no. And, and so they tell him exactly what happened to him. And, and I think what's so interesting is they're so focused on this road, right, or on what's happened, that they don't actually know who's standing right next to them and walking with them. And then Jesus does something crazy. He starts talking about the law and the prophets and starts walking them through the Old Testament, and they still don't know who he is until they sit down to a meal and he breaks the bread. And then it says in Scripture that their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus for the first time. And so I do feel a little bit of that too. I'm, I'm doing a study right now in the Old Testament, and I am seeing Jesus in the Old Testament and I feel like I'm starting to, um, my heart is starting to burn within me like it was for the, those disciples on the road to Emmaus. So I feel very much like I'm trudging forward, not necessarily running, um, but I, I think I know, I feel hopeful. Um, yeah. Where are you right now? Yeah, so I'm coming into this semester with, with kind of a tension of excitement and sadness. Um, I'm, I'm really excited that you guys are here, but there's also a pretty deep sadness that, you know, we're in chapel, we're having to sit six feet apart. We can't, I can't see your faces really. Um, and, and that's, that's really, it's really hard. And you guys are feeling it. Um, I, I know in unique ways, different times. I know it hits harder at certain times than others. Um, but one of the things I, I'm really deeply intrigued by where you 
you guys are at. Um, like last semester, something really interesting happened. Um, since I've been at the college, I've been at the college for eight years, um, my, my meetings, like my individual one-on-one -on -one meetings with students, um, they've just, they're, they're just, it's a really consistent part of my schedule. It's something that if I had the time, I could pretty much fill most of my days with one-on-one -on -one meetings. Um, and last semester, Stephanie and I had the fewest meetings one-on-one -on -one with students that we've ever had. Um, the Priest Hill Center, which always, since I've been here, has always had a, had a line for students to come in for counseling, um, they had openings the whole semester. So that's, that's a really intriguing thing. I would have assumed the, the opposite would have been the case. Um, but that makes me wonder where you guys are at. If you're kind of in survival mode and just doing the things you absolutely have to do and then watching Netflix and sleeping and just trying to like get through. Um, and it makes me wonder how to walk alongside you better, like how to pray for you, um, how, to, how to minister well to and with you. So that, that's one of the things that I'm, I'm bringing into the semester. Um, I'm, I'm, Stephanie mentioned, I'm a little bit saddened as well that the name of Jesus has, has gotten tied into politics in so many like weird ways in the last couple of months. It's been very interesting and, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of chewing on that. Um, my temper has been short lately, which is very interesting because I am not a person with a short temper. Like I, it, it's really hard. Well, I just don't get angry easily. Um, but I've noticed the last week or so my, my temper has been short and that it's very uncharacteristic uh, of me. Um, I've also been very spiritually thirsty. So somebody asked me um, last week how I was feeling about you guys coming back and I was excited, but I, I said, you know, I'm, I don't feel necessarily like I have a ton to give right now. And they're like, oh, like, like, like a, a, an empty well? And I'm like, no, it's kind of the opposite. Like all of the stuff that I'm reading, all of the stuff um, uh, that I'm engaging with the Father, I, I just feel like a sponge. I just kind of feel like I need it all right now. So I, I feel very needy in a spiritual way. Um, and that's a good place to be. Um, you know, Paul talks about, in 1 Corinthians, he talks about um, new believers needing spiritual milk, and they're not quite ready for the spiritual food yet. I feel like I need, like, I need, like, a buffet, um, and I could, like, do the whole buffet and keep going back for more. So um, that's kind of how I'm coming into the semester. But in a very practical sense, if you guys are willing please drop by the office. I want to know how you're doing. I want to know where you're at. I want to know, like, the assessments that we think we're seeing. Are they right? And, like, tell us how we can pray um, for you individually and for, for the student body. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so let's get to the heart of the question. Stephanie, how are you doing in your spiritual life? What does it look like right now? Yeah, so what am I, what am I doing right yeah. now? Yeah, um, so given the place that I am, I... Um, like I said, I've been walking through the, doing an Old Testament study and kind of a survey of the Old Testament book by book. Um, and that has been so, like you said, kind of water for my thirst. Um, and I, in, in a surprising way, I didn't know that that's how it would feel, but what it's done has just been um, sort of an exercise and a practice in remembering for me. So remembering God's faithfulness through the Old Testament to his people Israel, but then 
stopping and realizing that that same God is my God, and that same God knows me, and that same God loves me and pursues me the way he pursued those people in the, in the desert, um, those complaining, grumbling, idolatrous Israelites, his love for them is the same kind of love he has for me. So I think practicing and exercising remembrance, um, sort of looking at my Ebenezer's and seeing how God has been so faithful to me, even over this past year, like I'm talking like we're doing one year of remembrance right now and seeing how even in 2020, God has been so kind and good and pursuing me. Um, so that's one thing I've been doing through the Old Testament. And then the other um, big one, I mean, as, as Chloe was playing up here, music, like music's been speaking a lot to me lately, um, kind of stirring up my imagination and, you know, um, music to me is sort of a whole body experience, right? And so that's been important to sort of evaluate what I'm intaking, what am I listening to, what am I watching, um, what am I scrolling through, how are those things actually impacting my, impacting me as a whole person and specifically, you know, and then how that's impacting my walk with God. Um, and then I, I think the last thing I would say is Sabbath, rest, and worship, and putting those two things together. So not just having a day to rest, but having a day where we're actually worshiping. And that for our family has looked like we're back in church every week. And that's been huge. I didn't realize how much um, not being able to go to church for, to what, go to a church for a while, how much that impacted me. Um, and I, I think there's something very true and deep about that, that we need community to worship. So what are you doing right now? Yeah, so uh, when I talk about being spiritually thirsty, there are certain things that I kind of gravitate towards and back to. Um, I've been reading uh, Henry Nouwen's book, The Road to Daybreak. Um, it's probably the book outside of scripture that most makes me want to know Jesus and grow closer to Jesus. Um, it's, it's a journal that he wrote over the course of a year after he left uh, Harvard Divinity School and spent a year in Trosley, France at a place called La Arc. Um, it's a, a, a kind of a collection of homes for handicapped people. Um, and he was trying to discern his call to vocation, whether or not God was calling him to live the rest of his life um, in ministry to handicapped people. Um, and it's, it's gritty and honest and beautiful and sad and um, the way that he longs to follow Jesus fully um, is, is deep water for my, my soul. So I've been reading, I've been reading now and um, uh, I was an English major in college but I never really got into poetry a lot. I've been reading a lot of poetry lately. Um, Hallie Blair Quattro's mom actually gave me a book of poetry that had sat on my shelf for two years. And I pulled it down and I've read it probably three or four times now. And, and um, it's, giving, it's giving word and vision um, in, in a unique way to experience. Um, so that's been really great. Uh, I've also been in contact with my closest, deepest friends. Um, more in the last couple of months than I have over the course of a while. The people who, who really, truly know me and that I've lived life with the longest. Um, and I need them right now in, in kind of unique ways. Um, sometimes it's just to chat, but, but other times to talk about real, real stuff. Um, so uh, reading, uh, friends, and then 
um, God's word has has um, been playing. You know, it always should, but the the feeding that's coming from God's word. And one of the things that I'm I'm struck by, and I mean, reading God's word is is such an exponential value proposition, right? It's not that you 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 read, have a quiet time, and a, a equals B. It's much more like instead of two plus two, it's like seven plus three equals forty nine thousand, right? Um, the way that it helps us to see, the way that it helps us to remember, um, the way that it helps us to feel, uh, the way that Scripture helps us to believe—it's—it's um, it's not a one-for-one thing, and it, it kind of reminds me. I think this has sort of become my favorite analogy of, of reading scripture. Um, I'm, I'm sure that most of you could tell me your favorite song or, or maybe a favorite album. And if you have a very favorite album, you might be able to tell me like all of the songs on the album. You may even know all the lyrics to all of the songs on the album. Um, and you probably know in your head what it sounds like, right? You probably could sing it in the shower, right? But when you hit play and it actually comes to life, that music that you knew, it becomes alive. And that's kind of how scripture is. Like I, I can tell you the stories, I can tell you the theology, but when I open and begin to read Jesus's words and, and the living word of God, it comes alive and it reminds me who I am and who God is, who is to be worshiped. Um, I've, I've been in John this last probably week and a half or so, and John 8 and 9 is, is a great example because in, in John 8, you have these promises. Here, I'll just, read, I'll just read a couple of them. But in John 8, he says, uh, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then he makes a promise. If you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So he lays out these promises, right? And he's talking to Pharisees. And, um, and in chapter 9, then, you actually see the promises played out in real life, like the way that they actually change a person. Um, yeah, Jesus encounters this, this man who was born blind. He, he heals him by spitting, which I love. He spits in the mud, in the dirt, and makes mud and puts it on his eyes. And this man is healed, and the Pharisees freak out. They're like, we know that the guy who did this is evil because he did it on the Sabbath. And the blind man's like, look, I don't know who he is. I don't know what you're getting at, but here's the deal. We all know that only God can do that kind of thing. So they kick him out of the synagogue, and Jesus goes, and Jesus finds him. And when Jesus finds him, it's so good. Listen to what he says. Um, Jesus heard they'd thrown him out, when they, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, for judgment, I've come into this world so that the blind will see and that those who see will become blind. So it's, it's just a, two stories about the grace and mercy of God and about seeing. And that's what scripture is doing. It, it helps us to see the one who's to be worshiped and then it helps us to see ourselves. So when I read, I begin to see what's going on inside of me, um, how easily I'm distracted, what the things are that distract me, what the things are that pull my attention from Jesus. Um, so 
that's kind of what I'm doing. Um, I'm reading and I'm writing some poetry and reading scripture. Um, yeah. Any, okay. any follow-up on that? I don't think so. I think we're out of time, too. Yeah. Oh, it is that time. Yeah. Um, I hope this has been encouraging and a blessing to you guys. Um, we want you to see who we are uh, as people, and we want the opportunity to minister well to you. So uh, instead of singing the doxology, which we can't do because we can't sing, um, let's all stand, and we're going to do a responsive reading from Philippians 2.